Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes... Lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flag Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow, pow, pow. And I am Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along to... The uh, Cranky's Odyssey Part Two. Uh, we're looking at the Cranky's autobiography, Fan Dabby Dozy, our our amazing true story, uh, published in two thousand and four or something. Uh, last week we didn't get any further than the foreword, which was written by Max Bygraves and was very diveable. Um, I don't think we're going to get any further into the crankies themselves here, Sam, because we've had some correspondence from um, Peter Bowker, mm. who is uh, a very well-established and esteemed television and film writer, um, friend of the show, you could say. Mm. Um, we generally say friend of the show to anybody that doesn't annoy us, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So that's the criteria for that. And... Um, he sent us a link to an Archive Guardian article from July 1977 about mm. Max Bygraves. It's an interview with Max Bygraves, basically. And, of course, as we established last week, Max Bygraves' um, catchphrase was, I want to tell so you a story. Uh, he later um, tried to create another catchphrase, which was, Big money. But it didn't take off. Big money. Uh, there, there is only really one man who is able to ever successfully sustain multiple catchphrases, and that was Bruce Forsyth. Of course, Bruce Forsyth. The whole point of a catchphrase is that's your phrase. You've got one phrase that you're known for. That's it. Stick with it. Mm. Repeat, repeat, Mm. repeat. Get associated with it in the minds of the public, the hearts and minds. That's how they work. Only one man in the history of light entertainment had the balls and the gusto to actually successfully Mm -hmm. do it time and time again. Brucey... If you say what's his catchphrase, well, it could just as easily be one of five different catchphrases. By Graves, overreached by trying to establish yeah. big money alongside I Want to Tell You a Story. Yeah. He needed something, though, didn't he? Because there wasn't much going on. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, do you think Brucey will have had some kind of um, catchphrase team? Like a, support the un- a support unit. Research like, and development. What, like... Um, New Labour's rapid response team, something like that. Just, just a, a team that would be constantly like trying to develop I'd new catchphrases. I'd be interested to know them. where his catchphrases came from, whether it was a team or whether he picked them up along the way. I am doubtful that he was that that anyone, even Brucey, who I think we both regard as a genius, like would have been able to 
come up with so many successful catchphrases just yeah. on his own. Yeah. Like Max Bygraves, though, Brucey, not well liked <laughs> among the profession. Really? I believe. Hmm. Well, maybe it was because yeah. he was too successful. Maybe because he was a prick. Oh, either of those. I'd hate to think that. I mean, I oh. do. He did claim that he supported both Tottenham and Arsenal, which I, <laughs> I always think. Anyone who comes out with something like that, you've got to, there are alarm bells. But yeah, um, he says, "Well, I used to go and see Arsenal, and when Arsenal were away, I'd go and see Tottenham." Yeah. He said because I just liked going to football, and those were my two local clubs. There and seems to be a little bit enough. of a little bit of evidence floating around online that Bruce Forsyth may have been a bit of a cunt. What did you just so, Google? What was your exact Google? I just put Bruce Forsyth cunt. Right, and there was quite a lot of results. Somebody, there's a, a Twitter account called Cunt Org, which says, "So was Bruce Forsyth a cunt?" Personally, had him down as a non-cunt. But was reading a few stories online earlier about how he might have been a bit of a cunt in real life. Hang so, on a minute. Hang on a minute. There used to be a website called Is a Cunt, and yeah. for a while, if you Googled my name, it, I came up on it. Sam Delaney is a, a cunt. cunt. It was for a right. specific reason, something I'd said or done, that was, I, I, must, I can't remember what it was, but it was pretty legit. I'd done something that was cunty, or said something that was cunty, right. so I was on there. But, the only reason I know this is, I'm not the sort to Google myself. To be honest, with my self-esteem issues and my anxiety issues, I just mm. haven't got the character to Google myself. Do you know no, what I mean? I'd never Google myself. I, I just haven't, I haven't, I, you know... I say to people, well, it doesn't matter what other people think of you and blah, blah, blah. And that's all true. But I know that I can sometimes be vulnerable to the opinions mm. of others and, it, and I don't want to upset myself. But fucking, I'll, I'll name and shame him. You know Ricky, who works at Talk Radio, right? Yeah. He, he's like the boss there now, which I think I've told you before. And it's what? just impossible for us to comprehend because he was like just a... He was my lick spittle when I started yeah, yeah, presenting yeah. the drive, right? He would yeah. have brought you a cup of tea when you came in. And, and yeah. you would have thrown it at him when it was too weak. And he would have just taken that on the chin, right? He would have had to, yeah. Uh, yes, it was workplace bullying, but it yeah. was also character well, building. look at him now. He's, he's in the top job. And why? Because of the fact that we bullied him. Anyway, mm. he... Bullied him to the top. We bullied him all the way to the top, that lad. And what thanks do we get? He, we should have our own show on talk radio. <laughs> no, but seriously. No, we um, shouldn't. No, we, should, we definitely shouldn't. But I know this because he's... Literally, it's my first day. I turn up and uh, they go, right, here's your production team, Right. And it, it was it was two lads, Mark, who is, you know, a good friend and colleague of ours to this yeah. day, and, and and his underling. I mean, imagine that being an underling to Mark, right? No, I mean, I'm not going to comment. Right, was was uh, Ricky. And Ricky. Ricky goes to me, I said, I said something like, I don't know, right, you're going to be like my producer or my production assistant. How much do you know about me because when you're coming up with stories for me to do it's important for you to know what my background is what my interests are blah 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 it's important and he's just gone well I googled you and the first thing I saw was Sam Delaney is a cunt (laughs) (laughs) I thought you cheeky little cunt but now he's in the the top job and and that was a big trigger for me I would have bullied him either way Andy of course I would have done because that's just how it works, right? 
but that really put an that gave me a, that extra sort of ten percent of bullying. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, what's all this? Sandalini's a cunt. But then, thank God, I discovered that the website was not just created for me and wasn't singling out mm. me. Every day they named a different cunt, and I was just oh, one right. day a cunt. I can take that. Yeah, I was yeah. a cunt one day in the views of whoever made this site. Fine, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sue me in cunt. Court. I mean, I, I'll say this: Ricky was um, a, a significant factor in the success of Athletic Mints because uh, the boss at Talksport allowed us to use one of the studios downstairs mm. to do mince episodes. Yeah, for quite a while. Um, and then even after that boss had left the station, yeah. I continued to take advantage of that yeah. service, and it was Ricky that quite often uh, set up the He came and facilitated it. That's where we started in the same studio. So very often, you just basically ran the disowned like basement floor of TalkSport, and yeah. if someone walked in, it would just be you with either Bob or me. In a in a yeah. big state of the art studio with Ricky, now one of the big the big beasts of British radio, basically yeah. running about pressing the buttons for you. Yeah, and it was like um, he did so well that I bunged him an Amazon voucher at Christmas as a thank you. Good man. So so there you go. That's just that shows exactly what a good guy I am, but also what a significant part in the success of UK podcasts. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He, he he helped both it. It probably they're in flasher buildings now, of course, because they're part of um, yeah. Oh, Mur- we wouldn't get in Murdoch's like media me- compound. Oh, they've got like metal detectors and shit. Yeah, now. they've got the lot, but he'd still try. Probably, I don't know. Maybe he's too important. But um, I used to take him for a cigar at Christmas when he Did was you? my producer. Yeah, what, just yeah, in the he, car park. He told me one day he'd never had a cigar, and I was like, "What? You've never had a cigar, oh my boy? You're never going anywhere for the a cigar. This is absurd." <laughs> I would take it for your first cigar, young man. Come with me. <laughs> and um, I was, I'll be warned. You will probably choke, and you will think you want to die, and you might vomit. There is a hotel. There's a hotel, fancy hotel in London, and it's got a cigar room where you can. Right. Leave, you're sort of inside, but you're outside. So they get round the no indoor smoking law because the roof is made of bamboo. See, right, and so you sit. And there's heaters and there's sofas and all the rest of it. It's dead comfy and warm. But it counts as outside because the ceiling is just bamboo and there's a sufficient number of gaps in it. I don't know if there's some Mm. sort of specifics in the law of how many gaps there has to be in a roof. But it counts as being outdoors. And and a waiter comes around with a cigar menu. I was flush at the time, obviously. Right, that was wired, relatively flush to like take him to a place like this. And uh, I bought him a cigar, and he was, like I say, just a young lick spittle down from Manchester. Do, do you remember how much the cigar cost? Oh, it would have been like 20 quid or something like that. Ooh, big time. And uh, and he, I don't even really like cigars. I've had them in the past, but, when, you know, in the past, it's the sort of thing you do when you're a prick. It's like, I'm <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, you're young and you're stupid. Yeah, yeah you're like, let's have a cigar. And it's like, yeah. why? It's disgusting. I tell you what I bracket that with. Go into horse racing, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's have a cigar. Go to horse racing. These are two things that are complete shit. It's, yeah. It's one of the great things about being sober, where you see the things that you used to do because you thought they were large in it that are in yeah. fact awful, right? Cigars at the horse racing is the ultimate. Cigar. They're, they're, it's both of them are really expensive <laughs> and unpleasant. 
Do you well, know what I mean? Well, me and my mates used to go. We used to go to York races quite a lot when we were a lot younger. Yeah. And this this was in the days before cocaine got its grip on the horses. On, yeah. On, on on the horse racing scene, so yeah. it was just booze. And I believe yeah. now it's just coke, cocaine coke, coke. fueled violence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it um, sounds horrible. And nothing else. I haven't so been I in, I haven't been in years, but there was always a bit of a vibe that I it didn't was good take for kindly the, to. Sun, sunshine, outdoor boozing. It was good for that. Coco, but, cocaine's uh, got hold of everything. The darts is full of yeah, cocaine as well. Yeah, yeah, afraid so. The, you know what will be next, mate? The snooker. Podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> snooker will be fucked next by cocaine. I, I hope not, but I think, well, when they do the tournament at the Alexander Palace... Yeah. Uh, ...at the start of the year, that, that's got, like, a 4,000 crowd now. It's getting, the crowd's getting Feels bigger like each year. Feels like there's going to be a lot of and coke the, there. Uh, the, there's, it's a little bit rowdier than the other tournaments. Um, it's going to be, gonna be, be sponsored by, coca- by the drug, cocaine. Drug. Yeah, and it's, it feels like it's getting a bit cokey already. I'm not going anywhere near it. I'm going to go to the one in Landudno oh, that in February. Nice. I'm going there for a couple of days to watch the snooker. But, and just I think that, is that in North the... Wales? Is that in North yeah. Wales? That's where I'm yeah. going on holiday, mate. I'm going on, not to Landudno, but I, I won't give away the specific location, but right. I'm going on holiday well, next, next week to North oh, Wales. Well, scout it out for me, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fucking looking forward to it. The amount of shit that people tell me there is going on up in North Wales to see and do, yeah, is unbelievable. I don't think a week's going to be enough. Oh well, there you go. I mean, I'll be Enjoy. at Port. I'll obviously be visiting Port Merion, but you know that weird town where they film prison, the Prisoner. Where I've the never prison been was. there. And where also, they they've festival. got like um, Zipwire World, which is a massive forest. With loads of like toboggans and zip wires all over the place, mm. so it's a bit like being in the moon planet of Endor where the Ewoks live. Mm. Uh, it's, there's loads of shit for me to do. I can't wait. Good. I wish you the very best of times. Um, so where were we? Cigars. Um, oh yeah, my daughter had said that when she went to her graduation ball, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of months ago, and all the cigars were celebrating the end of doing their A levels. All, yeah. all the lads had the cigars out. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a rites of passage, but the shrewd lads yeah. will have them. A couple of them think, this is disgusting. I've just spent yeah. loads of money on a disgusting thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the idiot lads will think, great, that was disgusting, but if I just keep doing it for long enough, in the end I'll get used to it, and then I'll look really fancy forever. <laughs> I might also invest in a monocle. <laughs> Uh, that's Just, that's the future. <laughs> don't, don't do it. You're not WC Fields, right? Mm-hmm. I. Uh, but yeah, no. Ricky practically ch- coughed his fucking lung up. It was embarrassing. But I shouldn't oh, have taken him for a cigar. I should have just taken him for an orange squash. Yeah. How did we get onto this? Max Bygraves. Max Bygraves was Max Bygraves cigar related. I can't remember now. I can imagine him being the sort who'd have one once in a while to celebrate a new contract. <laughs> Yeah. So what we've got in front of us here, it's a it's a, um, a diversion, uh, a, a tangent. It's nothing to do with the Crankies. It's Max Bygraves' 1977 interview. Uh, and it's headlined, Max Bygraves wants to tell you another story. And it says, 27th of July, 1977. The entertainer talks about his first novel about a sexy milkman <laughs> who, <laughs> who enjoys overnight success as a pop star. This sounds like Archie. Bu- this sounds a bit like Archie Buchanan. Archie Buchanan <laughs> fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. fan fiction. Yeah, <laughs> there probably is Archie Buchanan fan fiction out there somewhere. 
<laughs> there must be by now. Yeah. yeah. On the Facebook group. Jalapeño. Jalapeño. Max Bygraves publishes his first novel this week. It's a thing you've got to do, he says. You've oh. got to write a first novel. Well, you have, if you're going to write any novels. You've got, got, got to get the first, the first one. You can't it? start with your second. You can't start with your third. Yeah. Mm. It says, writing comes easy to old Max. Max says, I could never write a postcard without making it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's he says. That's the thing about I, me. I'm hilarious. I, I don't know whether it's vanity or ego, but if I went for a walk down the street, I'd have to describe the lampposts and the colour of the houses. Fuck it out. Oh, you're not painting yourself as a wanker here, Max. Um, over the years, he's written odd articles. Then last year, his autobiography, which was called, of course, I Want to Tell You a Story. Uh, it made the number one of the Scottish bestseller list. Quite specific about what bestseller Very list. Specific. Yeah, it was top of the list. I want you to put this down. Scotland. That's where it was top of the list. Which is better. It's better regarded than the English or Irish or Welsh ones. They're, more of, a, the... they're more of a literary people up there. Yeah, The 39 Steps. That was written by a Scotsman, I believe. <laughs> um, and lately, Women's Own magazine hasn't been able to get enough of his short stories. Well, so, if you need uh, a bigger story, endorsement than that, then I don't think you're so. a knob. Yeah. They've put it right at the top of the piece as well, so you know what you're dealing with. So Max's story is about a sexy milkman who suddenly makes it into pop stardom and his lady employer's bed until gangland and the mafia get too interested and he scarpers back to marriage and the milk round. Uh, Max says, my fellow's not trying to get into show business. He's trying to get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of myself in it. (laughs) (laughs) This business is full of cunts. If I could make a few quid any other way, believe me, I would. He's trying to tell us that he doesn't need show business. Yeah. He's doing us all a favour by being a big star. Um, Yes, it says, that homosexual comedian in the hotel room actually happened to him in his youth. And the gangland stuff is pretty close to home. He's met a lot of villains in his time. Uh, He says, I speak to three of the train robbers at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) I have cultivated friendships with three. Count them. Three of the train robbers. Which ones? I will leave that for you to speculate. Uh, It says he didn't exactly meet the craze, but they once sat in the audience when he was doing his cabaret. He says, nothing could move them. They didn't smile, they didn't laugh, they didn't clap, they did nothing. They just drank. (laughs) Wow. So you've got Max Biograves on stage and then you've got the Chris staring at him while continuously drinking hello Max we hear you're a bit of a comedian go on then you can't make us laugh let's see if you can make me and my brother laugh (laughs) we could do with a big laugh we've had a stressful (laughs) day of it what with all the killing and extortion and ultra violence we've got very very specific comedic needs Max (laughs) maybe you could tap into them Maybe you can't. If you want a no tip, pressure. the last time I saw our Ronnie break a smile was whilst watching a Basil Brush show at Butlins many years ago. <laughs> he hasn't smiled since. <laughs> so I hope that you've got some Fox-related routines or a catchphrase. A catchphrase as good as boom, boom. 
Basil Brush was on at Edinburgh when I was up there last week. Did you? Didn't you didn't manage, manage to get him into my schedule. No, unfortunately not. Mm. Probably for the best. I wouldn't want to be disappointed, you know. Um, and it says, Our Maxi steed a safe course through the bandits. I wouldn't have liked to have been on the run from them, but when they were on your side, it was beautiful. <laughs> it says, One little guy would ask Max for his impersonation of Edward G. Robinson and come and shake his hand at the mic afterwards, leaving several pound notes in it. I was fascinated. He'd snap his fingers and a cigarette would be produced. I'd seen George Raft do that on films. Later, he found that man was head of a vice ring. What is it you do? Excuse me, sir, do you mind by asking, but what is it that you do? I'm the head of a vice ring. Oh. Oh. That sounds like fascinating work. Is that how you learnt to click a cigarette out of your hand? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> well, I'll bid you good day. God bless. <laughs> Thank you for the pound notes. Say hello to your mum from me. Well, I mean, I'd like to read this novel because he says that such characters have to talk tough in the novel. Uh, Max says, you can't just have him saying, God damn. And even our wholesome young hero, who we think is based on Max, mentions things like dicks and balls and arses. Oh, that sounds good. Doesn't it? Yeah. What's this called again? Sexy Milkman? Do we know what it's called? Where, where no, it's describe? fucking terrible bit of journalism. They don't mention it. Oh, it says right at the bottom. It's called The Milkman's on His Way. That's quite a good Which title. I guess... Although I'd have preferred it if, it if the book was simply called Dicks and Balls and Arses. In fact, I'll make a note of that myself. I might write a book with that title. <laughs> Put it on the list. Oh, man, it's on fucking World of Books for £3.79. <laughs> Get it, bought. Oh, going to have to. Going to have to. Uh, this cranky thing's just gone right out the window, hasn't it? We'll get back to uh, the crankies, don't worry. We will. We will. As we always say, there is no rush. No. There is absolutely no rush. Um, Mrs. Bygraves was shocked by all the swear words in the book. She thought it was terribly rude. So um, this interviewer was the first person in the world he'd met who'd actually read the book. So uh, he's doing a summer show at Bournemouth when he's been interviewed. Nice and near to his lush pad. I mean, that was massive money back then, late 70s, to get a summer season somewhere like Bournemouth. You'd just be absolutely coining it in. Oh, mate, hopefully one day we'll do a summer season. Oh, imagine that. Great Yarmouth, somewhere a, like that. A residency in Great Yarmouth yeah. for a whole summer with our own chalets as part of the deal. Oh, and, 1984. And food vouchers. Oh, luncheon vouchers. Mm. 1984, we holidayed in Great Yarmouth and went to see Freddie Starr. Oh, I bet that was, was good. summer season. Very, very near the knuckle at times. Really? Even for the family good. show? Yeah, yeah. That was Freddie. He was always pushing boundaries. Quite a lot of him just fucking marching up and down dressed as Hitler. Yeah, he loved that, didn't he? Which was... That was very funny back then. Different times. You could laugh at Hitler then. Not so much now. Yeah, I don't see why you can't laugh at I thought it was quite uh, effective that even during the war, like the sort of prop- the British propaganda machine came up with the idea of just laughing at yeah. him. And I don't yeah. think we do enough of that with like the world baddies anymore. Like, no. they, the media like to beef them up into sort of terrifying kind of Darth Vader figures. Exactly. But really, someone like Hitler was just a fucking idiot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. An idiot who'd got his hand on the fucking power. And and we used to make a lot of fun about the fact that he only had one testicle. Yeah. Didn't we? 
Yeah, it's more of that, I think. Um, Himmler was somewhat similar and poor old gold balls had no balls at all. <laughs> this was on the BBC. This was on Hitler's the radio. Hitler's only got one ball. Hit, uh, what is it? Himmler. The other one is very small. No. Is it not? Himmler has two, but they're quite small. No, the, who's the second one? You've got Hitler, Himmler, I'm looking at Goebbels, it up now. You're all right. Hold on. And is it Goering? Goering has uh, two, but they're quite small. Himmler is very similar. And poor old Goebbels has no balls at all. Yeah. Hitler has only got one ball. The other is in the Albert Hall. His mother, the, the dirty, dirty bugger, chopped it off when he was small. But that was that was actually my one when I was at school. But my brother told me that when he was at school a few years earlier in the seventies, they went through the whole Nazi, all the Nazi bosses, and right. did that one that I just said. And I actually prefer that one to my own one. My own one yeah. is the others in the Albert Hall. But I love that line. Himmler is somewhat similar, similar, and poor old Goering has. And poor Goebbels has no balls at all. I mean, that is irresistible lyrics. Well, there's a second line after that. His mother, the dirty bugger, chopped it off when he was small. Mm. She threw it into a conker tree. At this time, it went into the sea. The mm. fishes got out their dishes and had scallops and bollocks for tea. <laughs> oi! Oi, oi! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to fight fascism, lads. Of course it is. With a, little, with a bit of a music called Laugh Ditty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back to Max, though. Where are we at? He's uh, yeah. So he's in Bournemouth, uh, in his lush pad. Uh, there's a flowery Chinese carpet on the sitting room. It says he can stay in his room all day. He says not have to leave till nine in the evening and be home about eleven. Great. <laughs> uh, you may wonder what he's doing playing a little six hundred seat theatre, and as he says himself. I'll play 2,000 seaters and peck the place. But the man who runs the playhouse is a nice guy. And he said, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Max. Yeah. Uh, and he says himself, people thought I was big box office 20 years ago, but I'm hotter now than I've ever been. Whoa. He does come across as quite the prick. Yeah. It has to be said. Um, of course, his Max Bygraves sing-along albums were um, big at the time. And he's just brought out um, 18, a wildly successful series. Uh, The only problem is that he's he's hard to say no. He pays a lot of tax. He'd like to see more of his lovely home. (laughs) Um, And he's off to Canada in September because the impresario there is a nice guy as well. It's almost like charity work that he's doing, isn't it? Fuck Um, it. What else does it say? He doesn't like to do blue material. It doesn't really satisfy him. Uh, I'm no paragon of virtue and I can be as rough as the next comic at men's smokers. Whatever that means. Uh, Back to cigars again there, I think. But I'm accepted as a family entertainer and if I did some of that material, the audience would be shocked. Yeah. It gets into this... uh, If you go out to the clubs, even as a top liner, you're never quite sure whether you're top of the bill or the beer you're drinking. What? It confuses you, and you can go in there and start getting as rough as the others. I'm all confused. Oh, a slimy joke will always get a big reaction, because that sort of person laughs the loudest. Oh, I got all confused when I told a joke about a vagina. Oh, my oh, God. My wife's vagina, who wants to hear about it? Oh, no, we 
we don't. Thank you very much. Well, it's too late now. I've started it, so shut up and listen to this. <laughs> he says then a few weeks later you can find yourself in a nice theatre working as soldedly as the thing you ate in a few weeks earlier. It's a trap you mustn't get into. Okay, now. <laughs> I'm confused about what he's on about. Well, he's gone to the working men's clubs where it's a bit earthier and you start joining in yeah. with that kind of humour, but yeah. then you take it. It's the same as you going on this morning. Yeah, it's exactly time like that, head on. isn't it? Exactly yeah, I'm that, sat then... there with Andy and we're talking any old bollocks. Next thing, yeah. I'm on the fucking sofa on ITV and I'm still in top flight mode. Yeah, Bygraves exactly. was warning me of this years ago. <clears throat> it was. Um, <clears throat> he talks about the two rooms that he grew up in in Bermondsey. Uh, there was a lot of love in that place. <laughs> and his mother made excellent stews. Uh, the six children never had a day's illness and they were a, those days were a darn good life. <laughs> Yeah, um, Millwall Territory, though, isn't it? This is all starting to make sense here. Bermondsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was from the East End because there's a great picture of, like, a Cockney get-together in the uh, Black Line in Plaster, which is a sort of very old-school East End pub that right. Uh, right. I, I still go to sometimes before West Ham came. It's a great pub, very much of the old school. And there's a legendary picture of it in the 60s of a bunch of, like the great and the good of the Cockney world mm. of the 60s all crammed in at the bar at the same time so right. it's like Eric Sykes Bobby Moore Kenny Lynch I think Babs Windsor's there uh, yeah. all, all these people the great and the good and right amongst them all is Bygraves and because he features in that picture I'd always I think Michael Caine's in it too I, although he's from South London as well I'd always thought oh Bygraves must be an East Ender but now I'm hearing this he's from Millwall Territory and suddenly mm. the dots are joined my friend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he's, uh, he's a bit down during this interview he's been gripped by bronchitis for the past three weeks which was caught in the pouring rain of two open air jubilee concerts what this bronchitis that's a sacrifice I did it for her majesty performed in the pouring <laughs> rain I did and if I die rain, I did it twice <laughs> if I die if I die as a result of this bronchitis it should be an honour because I'll have died in service to Her Majesty the Queen. And I'll probably get the George crossed. <laughs> Rightly so. Should have had it already, to be honest, but there you go. Uh, nevertheless, each night when he comes out and heads for showtime, I suddenly become alive. The old adrenaline, you know. The job is still rewarding, asks the interviewer. Financially, very rewarding. <laughs> With a wink. Emotionally, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> he explains the fair system by which he gets 70% of the gate. Ooh. Uh, rewarding in other ways oh yes the sound of a happy audience still gives him a big charge people who feel they've spent their money well Max Bygraves reckons that what he does is one of the hardest jobs in the business hold a stage single handed for an hour and a half use props balance laughs and songs in serious moments and still get the audience wanting more at the end that sounds exactly like our live shows that we've done does yeah yeah uh, laughs, songs, and serious moments, and also props. And props. We're very strong on props. Specifically on props, yeah. Um, and Max says, uh, Dickens and all those people used to do it in their readings. What Emlyn Williams has made a great living on. Almost the same thing as we do. Only, of course, without the songs. Whereas it says here, Max Bygraves does also write novels. The Milkman is on his way. W.H. Allen, £3.50. Very reasonable. £3.50. Still available for £3.50 on World of Books. 
Uh, £3.79 actually. Condition, well read. Wouldn't have it any other way. And there's a link through here to Max Bargrove's A Life in Pictures, which I'm about to, which is no good for a podcast, but just FYI, I am about to go through for my own amusement. Always in a tux, wasn't he? Never knowingly not in a tux, very much like Sinatra, I guess. Yeah, I I think think we should, um, yeah, we'll probably leave Max now. Yeah. We'll go back to the crankies, but that first episode of Family Fortunes that he presented does need to be assessed at some point, I think. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. A little tangent there before we even get into the crankies autobiography, but we'll be back next week and we'll have a go at doing it then. So thanks very much for uh, you know, putting up with us, I guess. Yeah. And uh, goodbye. All the best. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.